Well, this morning, we're, we're speaking about mirror, to be a mirror, uh, mirroring Christ's humility. Mirroring Christ's humility, being reflective of who Jesus is and his humility. So as we've completed our series on uh, what we believe, the six-part series, and I'm, I'm grateful for that idea. I enjoyed that. Um, so we can look back over our sermons and things and see the last seven, there are six, seven of them, series uh, that go towards this idea of what we believe. And it brings us to where we are at today. And I thought of um, this particular text and how that what we've been studying and what we've been looking through, we see some of uh, that reflected in these verses that we have today. So as we want to mirror who Jesus is, um, I'm not saying that we wear sandals and robes and grow beards and long hair. <laughs> That's a joke. You know, I thought I'd throw that in there. But anyhow, I'm not saying that type of uh, mirroring that we are looking at uh, what Jesus has done and how he, um, the special impression, as it were, that um, how that he ministered to people and how that he handled all the different situations that he, that, uh, that arose in his, in his experience. So the message today is re reproducing Christ's humility, mirroring Christ's humility, duplicating his humility, um, uh, copying Christ's humility. So I thought of all these different um, synonyms that would talk about this idea of mirroring who Christ is. So let's look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 4. And I start with verse 4. It's not really part of, if you're looking in your Bibles, they have... Uh, generally have sections of what goes together. This verse is the end of the last section, and then we move into this idea of mirroring or reproducing Christ's humility. But I, I think of this verse 4 as in a very important one because it says, each of, each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. So as we are beginning... As we are looking at this idea of being a mirror of what Christ did and his humility, we need to look beyond our own interests. We need to look beyond. Now, all those things are important. See, sometimes we, we take things out of context. Well, that means, you know, look beyond your own interests. You mean we're not supposed to have any interests in our own person? No, no, no. You know, we all have interests. We all have things we have to take care of. But there are more, th there are more people in the world than just you. <laughs> I know some people, that is a shock. You know, <laughs> I know people that they are the only people in the world, and uh, the rest of the world survives just to take care of them, because the, they are the center of the universe. And they let you know that. <laughs> um, they, well, anyhow, we, we can go off, of, that's a whole different topic there. Uh, but, you know, people who just seemingly think that the world revolves around them, they are the most important thing since sliced bread. <laughs> that goes back a ways. So anyhow, verse 5 is uh, the beginning of this section that uh, mirroring Christ's humility. And, and I like, always have liked this verse. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. So 
that in itself is how did Jesus think? What was he thinking? <laughs> you know, what was he thinking to become a human like us? You know, what, what, what was he doing? Didn't he know how challenging it is to be like us <laughs> and suffer pain and things, you know, questions and doubts and things going wrong? And, well, he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He had a way of looking. He understood the purpose of life, and it wasn't about getting ahead. It was about fulfilling the will of his Father. And you see, each of us are here for a purpose, and each of us have a will that God wants us to accomplish. So in this whole scheme of things, we are allowing God, the Holy Spirit, and the Word to direct our life in our character, in our thoughts, in our actions, in our words, and how that we live our life. So let this mind, and this isn't even my sermon, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. What is it? So how do we know what the mind of Christ is? The scripture. What did Jesus do? Where did he do it? And how did he interact with people? And what was he trying to teach them? Well, we're going to find out. Verse 5 again. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. And the King James has it not, he did not think it robbery to be equal with God. Jesus did not consider robbing God, the God the Father. Rather, he made himself of nothing, no reputation, by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even the death on a cross. Verse 9. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge or confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So, verse 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. In your relationships with people, with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. Let Christ himself be your example. Let Christ himself be your example as to what your attitude should be. <laughs> so, you can't know something or know someone until you spend time with them. In our Sunday school lesson, we, we talked about um, one is that when we one of the things it was about when you raise your hands to God, it's one we always thought of in the idea of surrender, which is a natural you know surrendering, but it is also a expect expectation of God's provision. So you are opening yourself up to receive from God. So opening our hearts and being receptive to God. So let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Okay, Lord, thank you. Help me to understand what that is. Help me to be able to apply that to my life in a way that represents you and what you want to do in our life and in the lives of the people that are around us. Um, Jesus was humble. He was compassionate. He was kind. He was impartial. He was self-denying. He was, um, his temperament was easy. He didn't, he didn't, only a couple times is it uh, um, expressive of Jesus 
And it was all, always because of how that the Pharisees and the scribes, and the, they changed the temple of God into a, and money changers, and they were selling. And the temple was full of you know, crooked dealings. They would, you know, to read about it, to think that they had this group of, you know, a flock of sheep that they would bring in for the, for uh, people, the, the, the owners of the flock to sell in the temple for people who had traveled a great distance and they would purchase an animal for sacrifice for their, you know, to be their sacrifice for their sin. Well, they would take that animal and take it around, bring it back, and they would bring it back in and sell it again. <laughs> so they were just, and then the money changers were, well, you, you, live, in, you live in Rome. Your, your money's no good here. We'll exchange it to the currency <laughs> that we have. And, of course, they were, they were cheating people and all that. So Jesus was upset, naturally, at that. So we see those times in which Jesus was upset with what they were doing. But most of the time we see him being just this very even-tempered and, you know, being confronted with what are you going to do with this woman who was caught in the very act of adultery and the law says stoner what do you think we should do to her and he just bends down and writes in the sand and then he says he who is without sin let him cast the first stone being able to have that understanding of looking at things from a perspective that brought healing and restoration not destruction Whenever we think of his humility, I think of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And whenever um, someone at that day, when someone was having a gathering, the servant who is the lowest servant in the, in the complex or in the household, that servant was to wash the, wash the feet of the people who were coming to the meal or to the, to the gathering. Well, none of the disciples... We're going to wash one another's feet because they were all vying for power, position. They were wanting to sit at the right hand of Jesus. I'm not washing your feet. You wash mine. You know, and they, they just didn't do it. But what did Jesus do? He put a towel around him and he went and washed all their feet. But if I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you must be ready to wash one another's feet. I have given you this as an example so that you may do as I have done. Believe me, the servant is not greater than his master. <laughs> humility. Um, now think of this humility as nothing being impossible to those who believe. In our thinking, in our society, it doesn't seem to go together. If you think, if we are being humble and we are doing things for other people that, you know, that are not considered, um, um, oh well, if you're, you're, you just don't do that. Those are, those are things that we shouldn't do. You know, and, and um, it's one of the privilege, you know, people who go to these um, society schools to tell them, you know, how to act and how to do things and to kind of be that superiority thing. If you drop something, you never pick it up. That's one of the things. You never pick it up. If it's on the floor, don't worry about it. It's not yours. You never bend over and pick things up. Was, I was shocked to hear that. That was a number of years ago I, I read about that. But anyhow, Jesus took a cloth, a, a towel, and he washed the disciples' feet. And let Christ himself be your example as to what your attitude should be. 
the original expression here is be like-minded or inclined as Jesus was. So he did not think it beneath him. God who created the universe, created the world, did not think it beneath him to wash the disciples' feet. So let your understanding, your will, and your affections be like-minded as Christ is. Uh, Jesus reduced himself to a lower position in the eyes of the disciples. You know, they, you know, he's the master, he's the teacher, he's up here. And what does Jesus do? He does, he does for them what they should have done for him and for others. Being able to understand that and comprehend it. So let your judgment, your decisions, your assessment, your estimation of things, let them be and follow a practice of life that is like those that Jesus had. Verse 6. Who being the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He did not consider his equality with God as an act of robbery. Now, the challenge here I, I thought of was that we are in Christ, Christ is in us, Jesus is in the Father, the Father is in Christ. We are a privileged group of individuals. All individuals who belong to have believed in Jesus Christ and have confessed him as their Savior, that we are in God, God is in us, we are going to live forever, we are going to be with in, in eternity with Christ in heaven, and that is our privileged position. <laughs> we are an elite group of people. And so this elite status has benefits, meaning that we can ask our Father and nothing is impossible, and we can also know that it is not beneath us to wash, as Jesus, to wash the disciples' feet. For he who had always been God by nature did not cling to his prerogatives of God's equality. Jesus didn't cling to what he had set aside. <laughs> All of the angels in heaven worship him. You know, all of the angels, he created this place. He breathed into man the breath of life, and here he is. He, didn't, he doesn't cling to that. He is washing the disciples' feet. John 14, John 16, verse 14. He will glorify me by taking from what is mine and disclosing it to you. Everything that belongs to the Father is mine. This is Jesus reciting this. And he said, you know, everything that the Father, that the belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said that the Spirit will take from what is mine and disclose it to you. Meaning that Jesus was telling the disciples what God, the Father, the Spirit is going to disclose to you what you are and what is spiritual truth. The Father belongs in him. He belongs in the Father. The same honors and adorations are represented, represented as being part of who Jesus is. And if this is who Jesus is, it's who you are, who we are. You have a privileged status with the Father. You have a privileged position with God. And so that privileged position does not elevate us to be above everyone, 
but it, it, it puts us in a position to serve. He that is greatest among you, let him serve. Serve all. So we find ourselves in this position of serving people, not from, a, not from what we can get out of it, but what we can give to it. What we can give in our relationship with God and what, I, what we can give in our relationship to others. Though Jesus Christ had all the rights, privileges, and honors of deity, which he was worthy of, uh, and could never be disqualified from, and could never be removed from him, Christ's attitude was not to cling to those things. He didn't cling to those things of his divine nature. He set it aside. We talked about this a few weeks ago. That was set aside. His equality with God equal defines things which are exactly the same. His equality with God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, equal, the same. Three, yet one. Not one lesser, stronger, weaker. No, three, one, three and one, and they all serve, they serve one another. And so the idea then becomes that we become like Christ, walk on water. <laughs> they do that when it's frozen, right? But uh, the idea is that we are servants of all. What? God serves us. John, 15, John 5, 18 Jesus, therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. So the humility of Christ, we have to, we have to establish who he is. He is God, creator of heaven and earth, washing the disciples' feet. Verse 7. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. He made himself of no reputation. He wasn't out to make a reputation. He emptied himself. <laughs> Kenosis, which is the doctrine of Christ's self-emptying. In his incarnation, he was self-renunciation. Um, he set his divine nature aside. Setting aside our position, setting aside the, the things that we would hold on to, setting them aside to serve. He set aside his divine privileges as in he is heavenly glory with, while on earth. You know, his heavenly glory that belonged to him, set that aside. He set a glory, the glory of his face-to-face -face with God the Father, Holy God the Holy Spirit, that triune being, he set that aside to be human. He submitted himself to the will of the Father. I did not come to do my own will, but the will of my Father. These are things that, as we look at them, we find that that is what we are, submitting to the will of the Father. That we are expectant of God to work in our life, and that it isn't a place of privilege, it's a place of serving. Now, as we go from this, he, he took the form of a bondservant, one who volunteers to be a slave of a household. A bondservant is someone who is set free. The, the, you know, they would um, say a family has a slave, 
and they, said, they set that slave free. You can go be whatever you want to be. You're free. You have your papers. You can go and be free. And the, 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 the slave says, no, I don't want to be free. I want to be, serve your household. That person becomes a bond servant. We are a bond servant. We have given our life to Jesus Christ. We are set free from our old way of life because we have come to know Christ as our Savior. So a true servant, Jesus submissively did the will of his Father. (laughs) The likeness of men. Christ was more than God in the human body. Jesus took all the essential attributes of humanity. You know, there are different ways that we could look at that. Okay, God, um, he, he, uh, he's God in a human body. No, he set aside his divinity and he became a person. Even to the extent he identified with the basic human needs, sadness, hunger, tired, weary. He was forsaken by his friends, rejected by those he came to, to, to save. I mean, all of these things, he, he experienced them as we do. He experienced the weaknesses. He became the God-man, fully God, yet fully man. Hebrews 4.15 For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Jesus knows exactly what it's like to be you. (laughs) He knows exactly what it is like to be you. In our frustrations, in our pains, you know, people who are killed for their faith, you know, they're executed for their faith in Christ, Jesus knows exactly what it's like to be them. He knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows what it's like for people to turn their back on him. He knows what it's like to hear the applause of people. He knows what it's like to have the, the palm branches and people parade in, you know, in front of you and, you know, wow, what a wonderful person. He knows exactly what all that is about. So there is not one experience that we can have in our life that Jesus has not known exactly what it is like. He was tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. That's who Jesus is. That's why he is a high priest, whoever lives to make intercession to us. He was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So when we are putting this together, the humility of Christ is that he is humble enough to be your servant. He came to serve you. And he serves us by giving us life, freedom of sin, giving to us strength, courage, giving to us the understanding of the word that in the, in the arms of our Father, we are safe. Nothing can ever separate us. And so in this position of serving, there is no greater authority than this one who serves us. But if we turn it around, then that we are serving him. We are in this together. As Adam and Eve in the garden walked with God, they were in this together. 
We are in this life together with Christ, and he, he is not saying that he's above us. Come on, measure up, you know, shape up, you know, or kick, get kicked out, you know, do whatever. No, he is walking with us to serve us. Jesus is the ob- obedient to the point of death. Beyond even persecution, Jesus went to the lowest point and the furthest extent in his humiliation by dying as a criminal. The great humiliation was accomplished by the crucifixion, the cruelest, most excruciating, most degrading form of death ever devised. That's Christ's humility. Verse 9. Therefore God exalted him to the highest places. So in this first couple sections, we have the humiliation of Christ. But in this next section, we have the exaltation of Christ. And so, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the nature that is above every name. Excuse me, gave him the name that is above every name. (laughs) The early messages of the apostles affirmed Christ's resurrection and coronation. He ascended into heaven. The apostles, there was enough people (laughs) that saw Jesus alive and saw him and heard him speak to them. They could not refute it. They could not say that, you know, you guys just made this up. No, there was hundreds of people, maybe even thousands of people that Jesus saw and talked with that saw him alive, and the early church was built on the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Wherefore, Hebrews 7.25, Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost to come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Jesus is always praying for you. He's always praying for you. That's how much he loves us and to the extent of his humility that he has come to, that he he is willing to be with every one of us and to pray for us. If he had not lived among men, he would not be called the God-man. And one other thing, what is the name that is above every name? It not only is Jesus is the name above every name, but there is another name that goes with it, that he is Lord. (laughs) He is Lord of all, and it is a name that is describes his essential nature. It places him above. He is my Lord and my Savior. That the name Lord is the same uh, word that is used in the Old Testament for God. And Jesus' rightful title as God-man, the one to rule and reign. He is Lord of life. He is Lord of death. He is the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He is Lord. So we're finding that this humble servant is the Lord of glory, King of kings and Lord of lords, humble servant. How can he, what is the attitude that Jesus is having? Verse 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That at the name of Jesus, every knee, every knee shall bow. 
He who washed the disciples' feet died upon the cross and, you know, the, between two thieves. He is the one who is going to rule and reign for eternity, and he is the one that every knee shall bow and confess that he is Lord. It is a mandate that includes all the angels in heaven, all the spirits of the redeemed, the obedient believers on the earth, and even the disobedient and rebellious people on earth, the demons and lost humanity in hell. All of these are going to bow before God. So people who mock God are one day going to bow before him. They will confess. They will acknowledge he whom they denied even existed. That is what every, everyone will eventually do in response to Christ's lordship. So as we look at this, we see that at the name of Jesus, Jesus was a name bestowed at his birth. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. But the name for Jesus given after his exaltation, his he and risen from the dead and ascended to heaven, his name is Lord. <laughs> he is Lord. Verse 11. And every tongue acknowledges that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that is why in the end every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. To the glory of God, Jesus came to fulfill, to do the will of the Father. And when it's all over, <laughs> the Father will be glorified. And Jesus is exalted. And he who came to be the servant of all has now come to be now sitting, seated at the right hand of God the Father, ever interceding for us. So what is the attitude? of his humility. How is his humility part of our strength? Humility is not being a doormat. Humility is strength under control. Humility is guidance with the strength of our character and strength of our spirit. That we are one with God. So here is God that nothing is impossible with, yet washing the disciples' feet taking care of the woman caught in the very act of adultery. He was without sin. Cast the first stone. He's not about putting people in their place. He's about bringing, raising us up to his place of honor that he has given to us. And what greater honor is it than to be a child of God? We have, we have, God who created the universe walking with us, living in our hearts and lives. And so we live in that strength, not to put people in their place, but to touch people's lives, to raise them up to a point where they can understand Christ as their Savior. Our humility is our strength. We don't have to be someone we already are. We don't have to be great. We already are great. We are great in the eyes of our Father. And if God had a refrigerator, <laughs> your picture would be on it. Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. And he humbly touches our lives. 
to lift us up, that we can be his, not only now, but for eternity. We walk with his spirit, knowing, you know, we, people often say we walk in the spirit, but we walk, the, the Holy Spirit walks with us. He walks with us, he abides within us, and we are his. And we have an eternal grasp we have a, an eternal grasp on life. God is mine. I am his, and I will live forever. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that we will live to the glory of God the Father, that we will find our way by submitting ourselves to your word and to your Holy Spirit. God, you do not push us aside. You lift us up. God, we find that we, we look at things in a position of what is possible, not what is impossible. We see what can be done by your spirit and your word and, your, and our faith that you, have that you have imparted to us. God, you said if any of us lack faith, let him ask. God, we ask for more faith. We ask for a greater understanding. We ask for this walking with you in strength, humility, and love. For you are our Lord. You are our Savior. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Go forth. Conquer. <laughs> the, we win. That's it.